Greetings and welcome to this edition of One for the Road. I'm your host, Randy Schlichting, joined in studio as always by my capable co-host, Bob Carter. All of us have spaces, don't we? Spaces where we live, spaces where we work, and spaces where we play. God doesn't say to us that we can just do whatever we want to in those spaces. He calls us to be ambassadors of the gospel as we live and as we work and as we play. So we've invited in our studio today, Drew Warner. He is actually our minister of live, work, and play here at Perimeter, and he's helping us as a church really begin to grapple with how do you take the gospel to those places? It's hard sometimes when you're on the job trying to figure out how do you share the gospel there or maybe friends that you play with in your neighborhood, a tennis league, or just where you live, your neighborhood association. So we're beginning to learn a lot about that, and Drew's going to share with us today about his role and what our goals are when it comes to live, work, and play ministry. So sit back and join with us now as Bob leads us. Okay, this is Bob Carter, and uh, it's good to have with us today Drew Warner. We're on the 14th hole here at Atlanta Athletic Four. No, no, actually not. We're uh, here to talk about live, work, and play. And so uh, just wanted to, Drew, why don't you let us know just briefly what is live, work, and play, and how did it come about? I mean, why did we start this? Hmm. Uh, live, work, and play really is a vision uh, for having personal ministry uh, in our neighborhoods and our public schools, where we work and where we go to play and have fun. And, uh, you know, when I talk about personal ministry, really what that involves is just simply loving and serving, practicing hospitality uh, with the people around us. Um, that's kind of a simple definition. Okay. So justify yourself here why do we need a ministry called live because i mean if you think about it you know you could have randy exhorting people uh every sunday morning well y'all go out and minister where you live work and play why do we need a ministry and by the way i'm glad we have one but why do we need one i think it's a it's a good reminder uh for all of us including myself that um as believers um it's our call to live out the gospel and I think, you know, my, my story, and I think a lot of believers that I talk to, their story is um, that we all know and understand the call to mission and evangelism. And I think um, we feel like in, in our relationships with non-Christians, we need to lead with, um, with sharing our faith and, and expressing the gospel through our words. And to me, the call to live, work, and play um, is the freedom <clears throat> excuse me, the freedom uh, to tell people, hey, just work on building friendships, mm-hmm. work on loving people, serving people, and in the context of those friendships, you're going to have opportunities to share your faith. Um, I, think that's, I think that's probably why we need it. Okay. Um, now, a lot of people say, you know, I really don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I am busy driving back and forth going to this practice or you know helping my kids with my school or things like this what how is it that you can kind of bridge that for people so that they can say you know this is really something I want to be involved in yeah that's a good <clears throat> good question I, I I guess the thing that I love about the vision for live work and play ministry is that it it really happens where you are so it doesn't take us out of um, our natural path of life um, it 
you know, we look at where we are during the day, where we spend the most valuable hours uh, during the week, and who we're who are the people that we're around the most, and then it gives a kingdom vision uh, to, you know, how do I, how can I um, maybe express the characteristics of the kingdom uh, in the context of where I am at work, and how is it that I can treat the people around me in such a way that they'll experience uh, the love of God, the, um, the joy of the, that we have in the Holy Spirit, um, that we'll practice uh, reconciliation and that we'll be peacemakers in a way that the world would never experience. And so I think live, work, and play is for the busy person because it, it happens right where we are. I was going to jump in, and, and you know, we always talk about here at Perimeter, we want to do things in like three-minute testimony, two-minute this, whatever it might be. So say I'm a new, a new person. I'm kind of wandering around. I meet Drew Warner, and I live in a neighborhood, and I work in a bank, let's say, and I, um, I play golf. And I say, now, how, how can I do live, work, and play? I mean, just, just giving you those bits. And, and I got three kids who are in uh, high school. Uh, just giving you that, how do I do live, work, and play? What would you suggest well, to me? What would you say to me? I guess? Yeah, if that's if that's a person's situation, um, there are a lot of options. I talk to a lot of people here at Perimeter and and believers in other churches that feel really limited. Either they, you know, they don't they live in a place where they don't have any neighbors, or they they're in a job where they're on the phone with people all day. Um, you know, from around the country, mm-hmm. and they don't find time to recreate. And so they look at their life and they say, you know, where in the world is this going to happen? That may be some of us. And um, But I think there's always a place for it. But for that example, um, you know, let's say there's time in a neighborhood. Um, you know, my wife and I, our, our story is we started, we identified our neighborhood and our community as being the place where we were going to do personal ministry, uh, just being on staff at the church, uh, the work piece is probably not going to be the place for us. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we just said that's going to be the, the the geographic area that we're going to take ownership of and, you know, kind of like the bishop parish mentality mm. where we just want to shepherd our community and love our community. And the way that we got started was doing a neighborhood food drive, and we did it uh, with the intention where... We had a collection point on a Saturday morning, and as people came and dropped their their food off, you know, we advertised it throughout the neighborhood and let everybody know what was going on through yard signs and all that. And and those resources are available through community outreach, by the way. Um, but as people dropped their stuff off, we were very intentional on introducing ourselves, and you know, we said, "Hey, we haven't met you. Um, if you're interested in in future serving and social opportunities, give us your contact info, and we'll get back in touch with you." And we connected with probably 15 neighbors just through that one food drive, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at work, uh, and we did a video for Vision Awareness and just kind of gave some examples. But every workplace is different. But I just think about uh, how easy it is for us to be so focused on our work and and kind of not mindful of the environment or the people around us Mm -hmm. and so you know if there's a new um, employee that comes in to work uh, a lot of times we all know what it's like to be new and you don't know the ropes you don't know the people you don't know how things operate and I think if we take the initiative um, to kind of taking somebody under our wing take them out to lunch 
and, and, and really serve somebody in that way, that would be a great way. Or even customers. Um, I, I just think the words um, serving, practicing hospitality, practicing hospitality doesn't necessarily mean inviting people into your home. It, to me, it means inviting people into your life. And you take somebody out to lunch, that's practicing hospitality. I think, uh, I think that's a rare art uh, today. And I think that's something that the Christian community takes kind of for granted because it, it happens a lot within our community. But in our culture today, it's very rare that anybody gets invited into somebody else's home and, or, or just invited out to lunch or invited, um, you know, go get a cup of coffee. So I think being mindful of hospitality, serving, those are big things. Uh, and then, you know, on the golf course, uh, you know, being intentional, it could be that instead of setting up a foursome uh, with the you know three other guys that are in your discipleship group um, or guys that you know from church, you know, maybe just show up at the golf course by yourself and, and let them put you with three other guys, or maybe it's just you and one buddy and um, a, you could be a Christian friend from in your discipleship group and just see who they put you with and um, just see where that goes. That's good. What, uh, what I, you know, one of the things I appreciate about you is that you are a, a positive person and uh, you're, you're such an encourager. So I'm not, I don't mean this in, a, in a, a way of a question of discouragement, but just I'm just curious from your perspective, what are barriers that you encounter here at the church, or maybe just in, in among evangelicals in general, in terms of, of doing this? Mm. You know, I think every church, probably the biggest barriers that we have are the great programs that we offer within our churches mm. and within our buildings. I mean, and especially at Perimeter, we've got such good resources for equipping and seminars and um, lots of really good stuff. And it's, uh, you know, for Laura and I, it's very... Um, it, it can be very challenging to balance out. Do I need to, or do we need to be at the church for such and such event, or do we need to stay here in our neighborhood for this event? Mm-hmm. And we actually um, have made the decision um, that you know, a lot of the church things that we would normally go to, um, we won't go to in order to free up time to spend in our neighborhood. And you know, actually, when we decided to start doing this, we had other Christian couples that we hung out with and spent a lot of time with, and we went to them and said, you know what, we're going to try to build some friendships with our neighbors who we don't know, and so that means that the time that we usually spend with you guys on Friday nights or Saturday nights or whatever, we're probably not going to be able to spend a whole lot of time with you anymore (laughs) because we need to free up some time Mm -hmm. to spend with um, our non-Christian neighbors. And, uh, you know, we just told them, we're all going to be in heaven, so we'll have eternity to to hang out and (laughs) spend time there. You know, somebody told me, um, they said, well, Bob, you know, you work for the church, and you are around Christians all the time, and I am in the pit of hell where I work, and I need to be around Christians, and I need the fellowship of other Christians. And so, uh, and again, he wasn't, I, I think that the tension there is that a lot of times people feel, well, I just want to be with Christians, and I just want to be with that, and here we're pushing them out. And I, I think that uh, that's a very real um, experience for a lot of people in the workplace, mm-hmm. and I think that's legitimate. I think we need that Christian encouragement for those of us on staff um, at the church or who are in leadership. You know, we're surrounded by 
I think we take it for granted. It's kind of the water that we swim in. We've got great Christian encouragement. We, you know, have built-in devotional times and prayer times that most people, you know, in the workplace don't get. And they're in an environment where it's cutthroat and there's a lot of non-Christians that they're working with. And they're, they're not only dealing with people that they're having conflict with, but there may even be ethical issues that they're dealing with. And it just is challenging them right to the very core. So I do think for, you know, there needs to be a balance. Uh, we can't give up um, the habit of meeting with one another and encouraging one another. And, you know, through Live, Work, and Play, we have some resources, um, that, you know, whether it be daily devotionals or uh, encouragements that are available through our ministry for people in the workplace uh, and the, that are good, that are helpful um, in, in encouraging people. But I, I think it's good. I think we need to be finding other believers, whether it be at work or in our discipleship group or, or wherever, that we can encourage well, each other. I do like balance because I, I told the guy, not that specific guy, but I remember having a, con- a conversation with a fellow. I said, you know, I think maybe you can give up at least one of those four Bible studies that you go to every week. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, to engage, so... Yeah. Can you balance out for us? I don't know if people are feeling more angst now and anxious as they're listening to this or less, but mm-hmm. balance out the whole issue of word versus deed. Mm-hmm. You're talking about living and working and playing. How much is just being present, being ethical? Mm-hmm. You know, I think of George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. It's not specifically a Christian movie, but here's this guy who has a high standard and is willing to give and whatnot. How much of it for people is that? And when do they... When do they that magic moment where they where they flip out the Jesus word there, or invite them to church, or draw the diagram, or mm-hmm. how does that come into play here? And how do you help people? How do you coach people through that? I guess. Yeah. You know, this ministry is. It, I think it's different from almost anything else that we're doing. The vision that we're casting because it's not black and white. It's not a process. It's very organic and it's catered to to individual people and. It's kind of moment by moment, uh, person by person. And I will say this, since we cast the vision uh, for Live, Work, and Play in August at Vision Awareness, I've had numbers of people that heard the vision, saw the video that we did, that I've had conversations with, uh, attended some of the vision casting meetings that we've had. People have come back and said, you know what, I am so encouraged and I'm so inspired, I feel like I can do this. Mm. And I think a lot of us, you know, going back to the evangelism, sharing our faith, a lot of us feel like we can't do that, or we feel guilty because we're not doing it enough. Um, we don't have relationships with non-Christians, and so we're just beating our head against the wall, frustrated. And with a vision that says, you know what, let's put that on the back burner right now, and we're not going to be able to share our faith with, with non-believers if we don't have any non-believers in our life. So let's take some time and build some relationships. And, you know, for Laura and I, when we moved into our neighborhood, we kind of committed that the first year or so, we were not going to uh, initiate spiritual conversation and we were not going to invite anybody to church Mm. for about a year. And that was tough for us to do. That was kind of counter-cultural for what we were used to. But I think what happened, and, and at the same time, we were very proactive in trying to meet people, and when we'd meet them, we'd try to get con- give them our contact information, find out where we were so we could follow up with them. But we also began praying for them, just fervently praying for people as we, as we met them, believing that over the course of that year, God would um, soften hearts, create some opportunities. And, you know, the encouragement, 
for those listening is for us it took probably two or three years to develop relationships to the point where actually people started and shockingly to us people started inviting themselves to church <laughs> and yeah i mean and and we live 14 miles away from perimeter yeah. so it's not an easy invite and and you know it's funny the work of the holy spirit and the whole thing that's that to me is the the key on live work and play ministry is there was a there was a group of neighbors in our in our community that we had met and we felt certain you know God's doing a work in these people if if we had to bet where it's happening it's in these people then there's another group of neighbors that we'd say you know nothing's happening there mm-hmm. spiritually we just it's dead well the people that started inviting themselves to church was in the second group that we mm-hmm. felt like nothing was going on in mm-hmm. and so to me what that taught us is you cannot tell where God is going to work and but we just have to kind of get ourselves out there begin rubbing shoulders with people. And where the word indeed kind of mixes is I think as we as we lead with love, lead with deed, so to speak, um, and those relationships begin to develop, you can tell, you can tell in the course of a relationship when you have the freedom to speak truth into somebody's life and when they have the freedom to speak truth into your life, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. You can kind of get that sense. Um and the other thing is, as those relationships develop, there are going to be times where they go through a time of transition, mm-hmm. a time of suffering, mm-hmm. something changes, a time of sickness, whatever. And um, if you are on their inner circle of friends, you're going to be one of the persons that they come to and say, I don't know what to do. And at that point, uh, you can say, well, how about I just pray for you right now? And you know, the power of those kind of moments is just unbelievable. And it, it oftentimes leads to people asking spiritual questions. Um, but it really is, you know, it's God opening those doors. It's God creating those opportunities. And I think uh, I would not feel very comfortable or confident in live, work, and play ministry if, if, uh, if it was not undergirded with prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but just asking God, you know, God, these are the non-Christians that, that I'm meeting and that we're just spending time with, doing the things that they like to do, just hanging out and being with them. But God, would you please start softening their heart and creating some opportunities for us to share the hope uh, of Christ through our words. That's well put. I uh, Bob was kind of teaching me this morning about active listening. I can't remember hardly anything of what he said. But, <laughs> but, but one of the things what I'm hearing you say now is it's simpler than I think people think. Be with some people in your neighborhood. Quit hanging out quite so much in a Christian clique. Pray see what God does, because stuff will happen in their lives, in yours, and God will use that to stir something up, and you'll have an opportunity to bless them, and the Spirit will kind of show up wherever He wants. He blows, like the Word says, blows wherever He wants to. You be active, you be present, and the Spirit will do the rest of the work. Yeah, yeah. I listened uh, to you, Bob, see? <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time. First time for everything. Right? And you know, I'll, I'll say this too. <clears throat> this is a fun, it's a fun ministry because it's out of the box. And to me, as long as it's not immoral, illegal, unethical, or uh, unbiblical, I would say do whatever you can to try to connect and relate to non-Christians. There's a guy in our church who dug a fire pit out in his backyard. Mm -hmm. And um, when I met him, he came up and he said, hey, yeah, he told me about his ministry. He's discipled 30 guys in his neighborhood that were not Christians. Probably um, 80 or 90% of them have come to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. They're actually changing things in their life. To, mm. to become more kingdom-minded. 
so he's seen growth there. And he said, by the way, you know what we call our ministry? I said, no, what? He said, um, whiskey and fire. <laughs> and I don't know if I need to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> he said, we have another ministry. combine those two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he said, we have another ministry. I said, what's that? He said, beer and chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know about that. On that note, we're going to begin wrapping up, Bob. I'm going to give you last uh, thoughts or last comments here. As always, our, our time goes so quickly, as we told you it would. It's like, zip, we're done with time here. But Bob, uh, thoughts you've had about this? And well, then Drew I, you know, I would say, I, I think that uh, this is inspiring. Uh, some of the stories I've heard just that have come out of live, live and work and play are, are just so encouraging to us to constantly push this out. And I think that the thing that you're saying, which I think uh, Randy was summarizing on, it, you know, it's just, you know, it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's relational, and it's and it's really just st- willing to step into people's lives. And, but it's it's also not feeling like, man, I've got to have all the answers. Right. You know, I got I got to study up. It's nothing wrong with, it, but I have to study up on apologetics and have all the right answers to them. Right. No, let's just take a step toward people and begin relating to them and see if it really does open doors for the gospel. So I think it's it's tremendous. Yeah, well put. We'll wrap there. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us as always on. One for the road. If you see Drew out there playing somewhere, <laughs> uh, yes, he kind of gets paid to do that. But uh, more than that, just join in with him. Just think about what it means for you to uh, play and share the gospel, live and work. And uh, God will do the rest. So we encourage you all to that end. And thanks once again. As always, you can find us on iTunes now. We're getting more and more people subscribing that way. So please take advantage of that. And you will get our broadcast regularly. God bless.